Hello, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition podcast. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion, a sermon from another Well Sister Church. If you enjoy what you hear today, you might also enjoy our weekday devotions, which you will automatically get if you subscribe to this podcast. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in the same podcast app you're listening to right now. I've tried to make the link to it really obvious. Let me know if it isn't at john.kirk at stmarkbemidji.org. Share God's Word and share love to your neighbor. Today's sermon is titled, That We Might Have Hope, and is based on Romans 15, verses 4 through 13. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives us endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let's join Pastor Zamzo for this week's sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Judge, in whom we put our hope, Amen. A couple of moments ago, we heard the words of the second lesson, Paul's words to the church in Rome uh, from chapter 15. I'm going to remind you of a couple of sections of, of Scripture uh, that we just heard a few moments ago so that they're fresh in our mind. Now, the first thing Paul says is, for everything, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Hope. If you want to put a tag on the entire season of Advent, or if there's one word that encapsulates all the thoughts and all the feelings that we have during the season of Advent, the theme of really any church service, it's that one single word. It's the driving point behind this entire season of the church year. Hope. That Jesus was the promised and delivered Savior. That He was written about, that He was prophesied about, the one in whom generation upon generation upon generation of people looked ahead to and hoped for. And that when He was born, 
The child in the manger was the child of the hope of the entire world. The fact that the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, would come down from heaven, empty Himself of glory, empty Himself of honor, and be laid down in that manger stall, that He would make Himself flesh and blood, that He would become one of us, a human being, and number Himself with a people that didn't even recognize Him. That the creation wouldn't even recognize its own Creator. And yet, all of our hope hangs on Him. Hope for a solution to pain and suffering and sin and sickness and guilt and death. Hope that there is indeed a bomb for the wounded soul. Hope that in Him God would show mercy to me and to you and to all people. Hope that He would be as the crown of creation should be. And save us. To break the curse. To shatter the grave. And let that hope of eternal life glimmer once more in the hearts of people. Hope. The theme for this entire season. And you might say, Yeah, we know we do this every year, Pastor. We sing these hymns. We go through the same kind of liturgy. We light the Advent candle. We're reminded of this hope every single year, but let's not become too familiar with it. Rather, refresh what it means in your mind. Because it is this one great hope that unites us. It is this one singular hope that binds us all together and mitigates all of our differences, all of our divisions. That message of our Advent hope in Jesus is the one message that can heal the world and bridge the gap between any divide, between any division, both in the world abroad and in our own congregation. That one hope that we share mitigates all divisions and differences, be they financial, or age, or race, or heritage, or culture. Whether you're a seasoned church member, or a new member, a nuclear family, or a single mother, a new Christian, a teen, a young adult, the sick, the healthy, those who are of sound mind, or those that struggle and wrestle with depression, or maybe dementia, or Alzheimer's. This one hope is what unites all of us. Hey, even infants who are brought into the waters of baptism are in on this hope from greatest of us to the least of us. In so many ways, it's this one hope that unites us. And so Paul says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and with one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have one hope, therefore we praise our God with one mind and one voice. And at those words, we should pause and consider why it is Paul is praying for the Roman church on this behalf. Because the same could be said of us. 
May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if we are honest with each other and we take a look at our own hearts, we should read that again and do a double take. Friends, we know that Satan works double time on Christians. We know that he seeks to amplify our divisions, our differences of opinion. He seeks to cause us to look down upon one another and judge each other with a critical eye, maybe about the way that we serve or the way that we live our life in some fashion or to judge each other with a critical eye as we carry out the different aspects of a ministry within a congregation. He'd have us sitting there judging our, our peers, or setting ourselves up on a pedestal, or maybe setting others up on a pedestal unduly, and saying, look at that person, or, yeah, I don't know about that guy, or I don't know about that lady. He'd have us act as the judge. What does the Bible tell us about who the judge is? When it comes down to Christians who share the same hope, the devil wants to amplify all our divisions. He wants to amplify our differences of opinion or differences in status or different places in life to do all he can to make us seem as though that we are separate and that we are divided. That really our differences are greater than the hope that we share. He'd have us judging one another when the only judge is not you, it's not me, it's not anybody, it's Christ Himself. Understand that this issue and the reason that Paul is writing about this to begin with is because of the very problem that existed within the, well, the entire ancient church as a whole and in the congregation at Rome. There was one great singular issue in the ancient church and in the ancient world, and especially in Rome. The issue that they faced was that you now had, after Jesus had, uh, uh, had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, you now had Jews, former Jews, and former pagan Gentiles, now in the same church. All right. Doesn't seem like that big of a problem. But understand that it was the Gentiles who had formerly oppressed the Jews. The Greeks, the Romans, they had crushed Jerusalem underneath their thumb. It was they that walked into the temple with their battle standards and planted it in the floor and said, worship that instead of your God. And the Jews were tempted to look at them and say, your ancestors were dancing naked around fires, sacrificing pigs. You got some catching up to do. We have the Ten Commandments. Ceremonial law. We have all those things that God gave us right from His mouth and from the hand of Moses down from Mount Sinai. We were God's chosen people before you guys came along. And on the other side of that coin, you had the Gentiles who were looking at the Jews and saying the opposite. 
Why do you want us to maintain all these things? Didn't Jesus come to do away with the ceremonial law and fulfill it? You're going to hold all that stuff that, we, that, that our ancestors did against us? You're going to hate me because of my race? And both sides were judging one another. They were looking mainly at the divisions among them. Satan was working hard. He was working double time on their hearts and on their minds, trying to make it seem as though their divisions of race or ability or how long they'd been in a church or not or what their family life looked like apart from the church was a greater thing than the hope that they actually shared. For it was the one hope that Paul wants to bring out and show them. And really, the, I mean, the, the same thing is, is kind of true, because the end uh, uh, true of us. Because in the end, what are, what are we doing? We're looking at the individual and judging a person by what they do or say or think, or what we think they think. And the emphasis is on them. And the emphasis is on ourselves and on what we say or think or do. And our divisions end up getting highlighted and elevated to being far superior or seemingly greater than the hope that we all share. It's kind of ironic in a way, sort of a divine irony. That the message of our hope is the very thing that shuts down all those differences. For we are all equally sinful. Sinful from birth, sinful from the time that our mothers conceived us. We may sin in different ways. We may sin more publicly or privately than somebody else. But at the end of the day, we are all equally sinful in thought, in word, in deed. And in the same token, we are all equally unworthy of this great hope that was laid in a manger for us 2,000 years ago. We are unworthy of that one message. That message of hope that we share. So Paul continues, accept one another then. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. We accept one another because of the hope that we have in Jesus. For He accepted us even though we didn't accept Him. He came to serve us who would not be served. Who, excuse me. He came and, and served us. We who are so willing, unwilling to serve. Jesus came and He emptied Himself of His divinity and His, uh, excuse me, not His divinity. He came and emptied Himself of His glory. Emptied Himself of His might. Emptied himself of his home in heaven. He took the eternal and the immortal. Made it flesh and blood. Mortal and finite. 
He came down and did this for us. So that all that was written beforehand, the promises made to the patriarchs, the things that that people had looked for and generations had hoped for, would be confirmed. Why? So that we might have hope. We might not stand eye to eye with each other, but rather shoulder to shoulder with one another and confess that we are all by nature sinful in thought, word, and action. And that we all deserve nothing but death. We all deserve nothing but hell. But there is one hope. One hope that gets us out of that and it's Christ Jesus. The hope of salvation, not because of anything that we have done or anything, any part of who we are, but this great hope that comes to us apart from us that says, God has mercy on you. And that is why we praise Him. The Son of God bridged the gap between the only division that ever really mattered between sinful human beings and between a holy and perfect God. And He did so that those who believe in Him might have hope. We have one faith. We have one Lord. We were baptized into one baptism. And we have one hope. And it's a sure hope. A hope that is based on promises made and kept. Not a hope like, well, I hope next week is better because this last one was awful. Or, like you might say, you, not me, I hope the Vikings win the Super Bowl. A baseless hope. No, it's a hope that's more like um, when I was a kid, um, I was the oldest grandchild on uh, the the Zamzo side of of the family. I have seven other cousins. Um, And when I think I was probably in kindergarten or around five or six years old, my grandparents started taking me on little trips. Nothing huge, um, but, you know, they'd take me for a weekend and we'd go, and uh, I remember one time we went on a, uh, we went on a train ride um, uh, to go and see this historic train museum. Uh, we went across Lake Michigan on the SS Badger, and we went over to Ludington. They would take me to museums, and they, they, they would you know, do special stuff like that with me. Why? Because they loved me. Um, they were, uh, they, they were um, awesome grandparents, and they, were, they, they had made that um, something that they wanted to do to establish that relationship with me. Well, guess what? I had seven other cousins. And they loved them too. And so they made that promise. We'll take them as well. And many of my cousins went on the same sort of trips that I did. Train rides, museums, going on a big car ferry across Lake Michigan. They did a lot of the same stuff that I did because just like they love me, they love them. That's our relationship with God. We take a look at, at, at who Jesus is and we see that, that, yes, He came down here, He emptied Himself of glory. He suffered. He was betrayed. He died. Yet He rose again. What's that say about you? What's that say about me? That's our hope. The hope that we share. A hope that is founded in fact and a promise made and kept. That we will rise again just as Jesus did. And now He lives and reigns and rules eternally at the right hand of God. What's that say for you? One day you will be there at His side. 
living and reigning and ruling with him eternally. That's the whole message of the book of Revelation. Christ is the, the, the world. If you've had me for a Revelation class, you've heard this before. The whole world is going to hell in a handbasket, but Christ is king and you'll reign with him. Read any passage in the book of Revelation underneath that microscope and you will not be confused, I guarantee it. It's incredibly uh, uh, poignant to think about these things and the hope that we have and how it mitigates all of our differences and it shuts down anything that would seek to surpass it. Um, just yesterday, um, my, my good friend um, uh, lost his father. My, my friend Luther, he's a, a pastor out in Nebraska uh, and his dad was a pastor in uh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Um, and he passed away yesterday um, from some medical complications. Uh, he was only in his 60s. Uh, he was still serving a church over there. Um, and I, I had the, the opportunity to talk with my friend um, and it, just how poignant it is that when the rubber hits the road um, or the metal hits the meat, so to speak, and the time comes how great it is to have that hope to cling to, to hold on to, not a baseless hope, but a hope that's founded in promises made and kept. As Paul ends this section of Scripture here, I just want to reread his words. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we stay in His Word, as we all share in this one common hope, let that be our prayer, that the God of hope fill us with peace no matter what. That hope that Christ has died, Christ is risen, that we might have hope that Christ will come again and take us to be with Him. Because there's only one way off this rock, and He's our hope. Amen. That's all there is for today. But we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this, Monday through Friday, and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidji.com. Dot O-R-G.